Hello. Hi, Jim. Hi, Maeve. This is Social Distance, the Atlantic's podcast about the pandemic. I'm James Hamblin, a doctor and staff writer at The Atlantic. And I'm Maeve Higgins, a comedian and writer, and we've got a familiar voice with us today. Hello. It's Catherine. Hi, Catherine. <laughs> hey, Catherine. Uh, I'm Catherine Wells. I mm-hmm. uh, used to talk to Jim about the pandemic, and then I stopped because... Um, well, Jim well, prepared I me in. <laughs> because Maeve <laughs> is locked me in a closet and uh, <laughs> took over the show. No, um, I'm both so happy to talk to you all and so sad. I'm actually sad because this is um, this is the last episode of this particular podcast mm-hmm. of social distance. This is episode 122. I've been making up large numbers in the past, just mm-hmm. saying this is episode mm-hmm. so and so, but it, earnestly, this is episode 122. Yeah. And what? It's been a year and let's see. Wow. Three months, 15 months. That's yeah. a lot of podcasting. That's a lot of <laughs> conversations. Yeah. You did not anticipate that it was going to go for 122 episodes, right? Well, I mean, I think the podcast is, you know, a bit of a stand-in for the pandemic. I think what I didn't anticipate (laughs) was that the pandemic would last for 15 months. I don't know that, like, the podcast number was top of mind in March of 2020, but certainly, yes. It has been a surprise how long this has gone on. I mean, you two almost predicted it with the third episode, which you titled not a two-week problem that was on march 15th of last year so you knew it wasn't two weeks yeah (laughs) actually i have a little bit of a bone to pick jim at that time yeah you told me it was going to be a year and here we are a year and three months later so it outlasted what you told me you were (laughs) off there's a kind of circularity here i don't know if that's a word circularity is definitely a word (laughs) (laughs) the number of hospitalizations uh, from covid19 in the u.s is as low as it's been since march of 2020 when we started (laughs) this so we are it's amazing the pandemic is not over but in the u.s things are great and we are on course to hit uh the projection of 70 percent of adults vaccinated in the u.s by july 4th which is theoretically herd immunity adjacent i mean yeah i i believe there are communities counties you know some towns where they have really high rates of people not getting vaccinated so there still could be outbreaks there but on average yeah it should be pretty impossible for there to be a really bad surge um barring a new variant or, or waning effects of immunity come winter but for now things are looking quite promising so we're back at the beginning in a way yeah and that there's uncertainty ahead and there's a lot of work to be done globally but here in the U.S., it feels like life is back. Well, I think that sounds wonderful. And also, I remember listening to the first couple of episodes. And could you um, cast us back to where you both of you were back in March of 2020 <laughs> and like deciding to start this podcast? Like since today is the final episode, what was the purpose of it? And um, how has it helped or ruined you both? <laughs> <laughs> well, talking to Jim has so much definitely broke my brain, you know? I know. It's like, I really appreciate you tapping in here because it's just <laughs> hard, you know? It's like keeping him in I said, I'll and... hold the baby. You go. <laughs> it's go, so... Go to work. It's exhausting. Um, so thank you so mm-hmm. much. I just got wiped, you know? Um, but we know so much more than we did, mm-hmm. which is part of why... 
even though the pandemic is not over, I feel okay with this podcast being over because I think actually what you've done, Jim, despite how, um, you know, irritating you are to talk to, uh, (laughs) for me personally, you gave me a lot of, you gave me like a way to think about the pandemic, Mm. a way to think about news, a way to think about what I'm hearing, a way to calculate risk about how to think about calculating my own risk. I just feel like much better prepared to go forward and kind of evaluate the future for myself with the stuff you've taught me. Well, thank you for saying that. You and everyone who's oh, yeah, appeared on yeah, the show. Our team. And and Maeve most recently. When this started, Maeve, you were here in New York. Catherine, you were here in New York. <laughs> Catherine, we left you when you were taking a road trip. Oh really? No. <laughs> then you made it to Texas. And then Yeah, no, I'm still in show. Texas. And yeah. you know what I've found that uh Flyover country has some really wonderful things. Um, The main thing in my life is that Betty, my pandemic dog, has (laughs) really undergone a pretty massive transformation from freaked out, vicious rescue dog to dutiful companion. Yeah. She is also, um, she also doubled in size. Um, (laughs) When I got her, they said she was full grown and she was, you know, kind of big. And so she's kind of the biggest like she's sort of ridiculously. How many? What weight is she? Uh, I would say close to a hundred pounds at this point. Oh, wow! So What's she's Moses now. <laughs> yeah, he's about a hundred too. Oh, we gotta get them together somehow. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I and- I actually organize dog fights, so when I get back to New York, <laughs> I'll be back. Organizing- well, Betty oh. has a, as they say, a bite history, so I wouldn't. I'd watch out. Yeah. No, I I weigh the bets. I don't just. <laughs> Like, (laughs) I know my business, okay? Anyway, no, I think, but, you know, like many people, I changed my life during this pandemic. Um, You know, so many people moved, so many people moved back to be closer to family, which is part of what I did. Um, You know, there are lots of reasons that people moved. And I think disentangling, like, what the kind of migration of this year has done and, ha- uh, you know, that will be one of the interesting things to follow as uh, one of the long-term consequences of this pandemic. Like so many things have changed in ways that may not even be comprehensible right now. Yeah. I have two things that stuck in my head that I learned from people. Uh, during, I mean, I, we, I learned so much over the course of the podcast, but the first was pretty early on kind of this idea that both things can be true. We were talking about individual suffering and like the collective uh, harms that were being done and people wanting to minimize their own uh, suffering because it wasn't as bad as other people's experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lesson is kind of just that both things can be true, that you deserve to acknowledge your own hardships and your own feelings and don't minimize them just because uh, someone else has it worse because someone else will have it worse and someone else will have it better and that you can have progress within a very bad time. There's the abiding idea. Both things can be true. That applies to so many things. And then uh, Jim Fallows gave us the good advice that when people are in times of crisis, you know, how you can be supportive is offering empathy, confidence, and a plan when he was specifically describing leaders and I've actively tried to execute that. Yeah. Probably unsuccessfully. I don't know. What about you, Maeve? 
Okay, I'm going to like borrow this from a listener who wrote in because I agree. <laughs> and uh, this listener, his name is Scott Horsley. He works at NPR actually. And he said um, that like listening to the show, the experts on the show made us feel like smart people are working on these really hard problems. So yes, these issues are scary, but there's good, hardworking, well-meaning people like trying to solve them. And there's been such huge like public gaffes made by people like do you remember when Trump actually got COVID and he was really sick and then he like got in the car with all of his poor security men like just stuff like that was happening and then you know I listened to like an ethicist or you know like the scientist who's working on long COVID like the immunologist and it was just like where you put your focus for me helped me to get through it you know right right that's like a, a good I think sort of takeaway. A takeaway mm. is that in so many moments of this experience, we have felt like no one was in charge or that yeah. leaders had kind of abandoned their duties or didn't have a plan, didn't have confidence, didn't have empathy. But that was sometimes our elected officials, but many people did have uh, empathy, confidence, and a plan. And many people were genuinely working on it. It just wasn't the people we were expecting that from. You know, I really appreciate the work of people who at the beginning didn't, you know, weren't sure and also then said, okay, we made a mistake. Okay, it's actually like this. It's actually like this. And I think like forgiving that and moving along and like being okay with like uh, mistakes or misses is vital. You know, yeah. in, it's just vital for, for us or else like it will end up where like we don't trust anyone. And like I was looking at the, you know, half of Americans have received at least one dose of the vaccine, but the pace has slowed and vaccine hesitancy is still a problem. Yeah. You can say like, oh, we need to jump on it quicker and need to be more definitive. But it's like you also have to bring people with you and keep people's trust, That's true. you know. Mm -hmm. It's a delicate balance, right? You know, I was going to ask if we can play a couple more voicemails, you know, from people who have contributed tons to the show. We have a voicemail from Stephen Thomas that I'd love us to take a listen to. Stephen Thomas, who we had on this show because he was one of my sources in the early in the pandemic talking about disaster preparedness and then coincidentally ends up becoming the uh, chief principal investigator for the Pfizer a vaccine clinical trial uh, <laughs> and uh, keeping me updated on that throughout. And so that was an interesting connection. And he remains a listener and has come on a few times since. Hi, this is uh, Dr. Stephen Thomas calling. I'm a physician scientist at Infectious Diseases from Syracuse, New York, and the coordinating principal investigator for the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID vaccine trial. So what would I recommend to keep uh, for people to keep themselves informed about public health? Uh, I think the first thing is to make sure that you are going to multiple sources, uh, your de local Department of Health, the CDC, magazines like The Atlantic, New York Times, Washington Post, L.A. Times. The reporters and journalists have done an incredible job at getting to uh, the facts and I think a very nonpartisan, evidence-based way. In terms of what I've learned personally and professionally, I guess professionally what I've learned is that uh, leadership matters, and whether you're a, a leader or a follower, you can make a, 
a big difference in situations like uh, the one that we're still in right now. And it's uh, you'll always go farther and faster if everyone's in the boat faced the same way and rowing at the same time. Um, a lot of us have been saying for a long time that a pandemic like this was possible and that the planets would align someday. Uh, personally, I think that uh, it's uh, been a very interesting experiment just socially, seeing how people view science and how people view medicine and how people make decisions about their health. And there have been a lot of very promising aspects of that and uh, also some uh, somewhat uh, concerning trends that we've seen in the country. And so I think there's a lot of a lot of work to do on that front. We also heard from the amazing Dr. Art Kaplan, Jim. Great guest. Yeah, renowned bioethicist who who was on very early talking about, you know, how we think about rationing care and more recently about uh, how you think about uh, privacy and vaccine passports and, and vaccine mandates and things. Hey, it's Art Kaplan calling from NYU. Going to answer your questions. Uh, living through the pandemic, what have I learned? I've learned that a lot can be done professionally on Zoom, that we don't have to go to work five days a week. We won't be doing that at NYU in my shop ever again. I'm sure we'll stick to three days uh, where we look for people to be around. I've learned that it's uh, very important to make sure you know how to cook. I hadn't given that much value, but a year indoors has uh, convinced me that that's a vital skill that ought to be completely uh, cultivated. And how do we hold our institutions to account? We better make sure that politics can't influence science. we got to build more walls between our science agencies and politicians. Donald Trump and his henchmen wound up uh, undermining scientific messages. Even now they're out after Fauci based on nothing except uh, revenge and ideology. So politics goes after science. Science is weak. It isn't able to protect itself very well. We've got to figure out structures that let the science be heard without letting the politicians bully or threaten or undermine the content of the messages that uh, scientists and doctors have to offer. They're not the last word, but they ought to be heard. We also heard from FT. FT Cola is a, a writer and a friend of yours, right, Catherine? Yes. Um, and she was on the show a few times after getting right. COVID. She, she got COVID very early in the pandemic. She was doing karaoke in Miami in February of 2020. What a dream. Um, mm-hmm. I actually got to see her the other day for the first time oh, wow. since the pandemic began. <laughs> and she's very well. Great. Yeah. And you did karaoke? Uh, we didn't do karaoke, <laughs> but we reminisced about karaoke. <laughs> anyway, she called in you with know. some lovely reflections on this past year. She's really, she is one of the many people who um, had a severe case of COVID, recovered, but um, dealt with long COVID symptoms long afterwards. There are so many people who are still dealing with those effects. Uh, and she called in with some some thoughts on the last year. Hi, Jim and Mays. It's FT. Um, I want to thank you for the show to begin with. Um, I will miss it, and I know a lot of people will, too. Um, you know, my greatest lesson, just seeing how intimately, inescapably, deeply connected we are to the people around us, that has been, I feel like, has informed every rule of how to get through the pandemic, what to do, and how to do it. Um, I think I've seen that, you know, we hold responsibility 
in the most direct and devastating ways for each other. Um, and our fate and everyone else's is shared. Um, and that goes beyond the human world too, um, into the environment, into the other species that live on this planet. If we want to be well, if we want to be safe, and we want to be happy, the only remote chance of guaranteeing that that we have comes from caring for each other, particularly and especially the most vulnerable. I think one of the most beautiful, simple things we did during this pandemic um, is to wear a mask. It's, it's a beautiful thing to wear a mask, knowing that the benefit is experienced by the people you protect by doing so, um, that you don't necessarily do it for yourself. And I think that that responsibility we have to each other is obviously ongoing. Um, we need to ensure that everybody has access to vaccines globally. I will never get over the utterly bizarre fact that a minuscule virus living in a bat or some other host on the other side of the world was wreaking havoc in my lungs six months later. Just the idea that it had traveled through many people to me and that I was then chained in its journey kind of fascinating from an epidemiological, scientific point of view, um, but it's also a tangible and real chain of human experience and of human suffering, real chain of connection of all kinds. In the hospital, I also really learned what love might look like. It looks like a nurse at the beginning of a global pandemic who knows very little about the virus they're encountering because nobody knows very much at that stage putting on PPE and entering my room to bathe me or care for me or feed me or just provide some human comfort at potential great risk to themselves just looks like caring for a total stranger. And I don't think that we can get out of this or other imminent challenges to come, future pandemics, the consequences of climate change, unless we think about what others across the globe, you know, or down the street need. Um, it's not easy. I've made many errors. It's hard to do it without stumbling. Um, I'm hoping there will be a time of remembering and memorializing the people we've lost, and I hope that our love and duty towards each other is a theme in that. Thanks, guys, for everything, um, and hope to be in touch. Bye. You know, I'm sure like lots of our listeners, we talked to people while they were sick with COVID. We talked to people while they were, you know, still suffering with long COVID. And it's just put so many people through so much grief if they've lost somebody and, and pain if they've experienced it themselves, you know. Yeah. Speaking of which, I uh, was texting with Bootsy Plunkett. She's doing well. She tells me she went to Red Lobster and she was uh, <laughs> looking forward to... Oh, wow. Uh, during her long convalescence, Pootsy got COVID pretty early on and, and was on the show twice with us mm-hmm. and had some longer term um, uh, symptoms in recovery. But she's doing well now. Red Lobster is a good sign. Yeah. And I, I think actually CDC just put out some guidelines saying that you should try to get uh, you know to as Red much. Lobster as soon as you can <laughs> or as much as you can after um recovering if you're vaccinated yeah yeah all vaccinated vaccinated, apparently adults should immediately head to red lobster so we're talking now like you know the podcast is ending because the pandemic is kind of ending in the u.s and we've done episodes about how this pandemic could follow past pandemics like in particular aids where people treated that as an emergency that that ended but obviously it never ended um especially in marginalized communities especially in poor countries so this voicemail came in on the 40th anniversary of the AIDS pandemic in the U.S. 
Jim, Catherine, Maeve, Kevin, Hasek, everybody who's a part of the show, I just wanted to call and say thank you. Um, as I hear you announce the penultimate show, it's, it's a bit emotional. I'm just leaving the National AIDS Memorial in San Francisco today. This is Saturday, June 5th, which is the 40th anniversary of the first clinical reports of AIDS, which is another pandemic that we've all faced. And it's not the same uh, in any way as COVID, dramatically different. But some of the themes that you've covered, the discriminatory responses, misinformation, and missteps in the federal government, they apply too. And AIDS is not gone. And uh, and so I appreciate what you've said many times, which is that we won't live without COVID. But I'm so, so grateful for all of your team for the work over the last year and four months. Um, thank you for doing this. It's been just a, a wonderful daily, then twice weekly, then, then weekly chance to listen. Thank you. Beautiful message. Thank you so much for that. And not a question. <laughs> not <on>. a question. <laughs> but no, can I I'm just sorry. say I the just last... Have to, I have to make jokes because I'll get emotional. And I don't, I don't, <laughs> you know, that's not the point of this. The point is facts. <laughs> we got tons of nice emails, actually, because we mentioned, you know, that we're wrapping up the show and Jim is, you know, he's going to prison so that he cannot keep podcasting from prison. So... <laughs> Yeah, that's for the next <laughs> podcast. Mm -hmm. My experience um, with mass incarceration. Jim, where where are you going if not prison? Uh, I'm going to be uh, doing some new things. TBD. Well, I actually know. I just can't talk about it yet. But I'm going to be working on some new projects. So Jim has some new projects. I have some new projects. I wish I could say more. Maeve, sorry, we interrupted you. You were going to, you had a train of thought. No, I am so sorry. I have a trapped um, burp, okay? <laughs> I was like teaching my nephew how to do fake burps. And like his mother was like, please, Maeve, that's disgusting. You know, yeah. you know when you like swallow air and then you do it. Yeah. But yeah. like I have. Oh my God, one got caught. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> and it's like my punishment. Oh my and God. Should we, can you do like a self Heimlich or something or? A, yeah, I've been punching my chest, but um, I don't, Jim, is there like, can you give me, I know you hate giving advice on the show, which has been a real back and forth between you, me and Catherine when we're saying, what are we supposed to do here? And you say, well, I'm not going to be prescriptive. I'm just going to yeah, maybe sorry. do this, really maybe do that. do that, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, but I'm asking you for once and for all, I have a trapped burp. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just like the hiccups. You either need to be surprised or you need to like oh, laugh or you need to drink some water. What if you down. like got upside down? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, wow. I can actually hear her becoming upside down. <laughs> okay. You know, it's a real sign the show needs to end when someone starts doing physical comedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've, we've certainly lost the plot. <laughs> um, one of the things I think has been surprising is we did start this, you know, in March of 2020, I was terrified. And I think a lot of people were. I think it was, you know, there was panic, there was fear. and. I mean, the intervening 15 months have been definitely worth being afraid of. I mean, mm -hmm. it's been unbelievably horrific what's happened. I mean, so many things, so many things. We're talking about the pandemic. And of course, the pandemic intersected with so many other 
tragedies here in this country and globally. Yeah, I mean, Catherine, there's, you know, protests against police brutality. There was an attempted coup. There's been this huge surge in the US, people buying guns for the first time. (laughs) Right. It's felt like everything at once, of course, this year. But I think one of the strange, maybe counterintuitive outcomes of this year and of these conversations is I have ended, well, I am ending up so much less afraid, both of the pandemic, but of so many things. Um, Mm -hmm. The disruption I think part of it is just, you know, sort of living, having lived through the disruption, you can't stay afraid forever. But I also think the things we've talked about and the people we've talked to have given me a way to kind of figure out how to move through the world, move through a world that's um, scarier and more unpredictable than the one we started these conversations in. And I think that's actually been so useful is um, just I, I feel more capable of finding out information, figuring out how to evaluate, you know, information, and being a participant in Mm -hmm. these large national changes. It's strange to feel much more capable, much less afraid now than at the beginning, Mm -hmm. even though, you know, who knows what's coming. We don't know that the worst is necessarily behind us for, for anything. We don't know what the future is going to bring but I feel more capable of like dealing with it. Well, I want to say to both of you, thank you. Thank you for being a guide and confidant and friend and just making me laugh throughout this horrible, horrible time. Being able to have these conversations was one of the strange joys of this last year for me. And the fact that we were talking about tragedy and grief and political strife and so many terrible things and that I still got to laugh uh, at you, sometimes with you, (laughs) was just really one of the highlights of my year and I will always uh, treasure it. Not a question. Moving on. (laughs) And Maeve, (laughs) you've been such a delight. You know what, Catherine? I feel the same about you and thank you both. And thanks to the producers, thanks the Atlantic and all the incredible writers and all the incredible scientists and doctors and guests and just people who know about COVID from having COVID who spoke to us. Um, And Jim, thank you so much for being the, you know, the linchpin and for all of your considerate and all those late nights or nights that you didn't even sleep um, so that you could try and come up with answers however infuriating they were and um, <laughs> so we really appreciate you and we'll miss you well i will be around i just can't say mm-hmm. exactly where we're, we're we're all still working so we can say um how to follow us if you're interested in the kinds of issues that we've brought up on this show and in the atlantic's journalism more broadly please if you haven't already subscribe to the experiment That's The Atlantic's podcast about our country, and we tell a new story every week that explores some of the complications and joys and tragedies of of this country. So please go ahead and subscribe to that if you haven't already. And there's a pandemic episode of uh, The Experiment this week, right? Yes. I wanted to say also thank you. I didn't say thank you to to Catherine and and, and to Maeve and Mm -hmm. to Kevin and everyone else who's been involved with this and especially the listeners because 
you are a great group. Yeah, I mean, everyone who's listened, and if you're if you've listened to the end of this show, then you're a, you know a diehard. And thank you so much for all of your thoughtful questions and responses and corrections and interactions over the course of the last year. It's been one of the things that has given, I think, us as sort of journalists and people a real sense of purpose that it, throughout this time when uh, so many of us, you know, felt so useless that uh, we could at mm-hmm. least try to find things out for the people listening. So thank you for uh, listening. Well, as a listener, you're welcome. <laughs> Jim, do you want to do the credits? I think someone else should. Maybe <laughs> Catherine. Okay. This episode of Social Distance was produced by Kevin Townsend with help from AC Valdez. We should also say that uh, throughout this show, Alvin Melleth, Jacqueline Landry, and Anna Waters helped us at the beginning. Thank you so much to them as well. Uh, if you like this show and you want to access all of The Atlantic's journalism, the best way to get it is by subscribing at theatlantic.com slash support us and subscribe to The Experiment if you haven't already. Y'all, this is weird. I know. I feel for you, Kevin, having to cut this. But I think no, no. I fine. mean, it's weird to be ending. <laughs> I don't mean this whole yeah. thing. Is oh. weird. <laughs> uh, I hope we do more. It's no weirder than it ever was. Hey. You know, I'm having feelings. I think it might be relief. <laughs> I think it's hard to put a word on it because it's a, it's, you, you feel guilty because you. <laughs> yeah, and Maeve. I mean, most of all, I want to leave with this. I really hope you get that burp out. <laughs> so good luck with that. Thanks, Catherine. Okay. Okay. Sending you lots of love. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Later.